Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I'm joined here by Chris Wesley in our first episode of 2020. Welcome to the new year. Happy New Year, Chris. Happy New Year, John. Yeah, that's right. I, even though we, uh, oh yeah, it, it, it legitimately is. I was thinking about our New Year's Eve one and say, no, 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 that was because we wish people a Happy New Year. But no, this is, uh, it's 2020. It is the future. We are in a new decade, which blows my mind. Can we call this like the roaring 20s? Like, are we allowed to do that? Well, I, I think it depends on if we're going to start playing jazz and start drinking a lot. Are we going to start doing that? Let, let, let's do that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's bust out some jazz right now. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> and uh, just make this the craziest podcast that uh, this side of the century has ever seen. <laughs> okay. How are we going to do that, Chris? What's going to make this podcast crazy? Um, I don't know. But, <laughs> but you know what is crazy? is the amount of turnover that happens in the church. Um, it's just, uh, and I know that's just a real stark kind of transition, but. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's joyful. Yeah, it's joyful. Happy New Year. Let's talk yeah. about turnover. But, you know, it, 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 I mean, there's good turnover, right? Turnover of a new year, turnover of new habits. Um, people are saying new, new resolutions. But unfortunately, and. And I guess like one of the reasons uh, I wanted to bring up this topic in the new year is because uh, with 2020 and, and this new decade, this new year, I want us as a church to commit to addressing what I think is one of the biggest issues that we have in church world, which is turnover and the rate of turnover that we have. And, you know, it's fine because I know many of us have different theories and thoughts. Uh, I've sat down with different church leaders uh, at a diocesan level, at a parish level, at a national level. And it's kind of the question of like, what the heck is going on? Like, why are um, people not lasting in ministry? And, you know, um, John, I'm sure you remember the statistic that came out a couple of years ago that your average youth minister lasted in church ministry for 18 months. I was talking with a couple of friends the other night, and I don't even think it's that long anymore mm. um, because I, I'm sure you've seen this with prayer success group or just, you know, uh, with your work, but we have people who are leaving after a couple of months, people who are leaving mid year and it's kind of like, what happened? You know? Yeah. That, that stat's been going around for like 20 years, Chris. Uh, you know, I hear you. We keep talking about it, you know, in terms of, uh, um, in terms of the turnover and, and 18 months and whatnot. And there's some truth to that. I think it's also important to understand though, that the younger you are, the more likely you are to turn over. The older you are, the less likely, right? You know, and, and I think that's a piece of it. You know, it's not the entire picture, you know, because I know what we're going to delve into is more is how do we prevent that and talk about that because there are things that we could do as parish leaders to, to affect that. But we know that this is part of being young is you're, you're less tied down. You're exploring different opportunities. You're, you're maybe not married or have kids yet. You have more flexibility. And so across fields, doesn't matter what field it is, Chris, we do see uh, turnover more often in, for instance, your 20s, you know, but as you become more established and move into your 30s and 40s and 50s, turnover lessens, you know, generally speaking, lessens. And that's a reality today. However, that's not really what we're talking about because we're not really going to talk about, you know, what age you are and how turnover happens, although that's a fact, um, you know, but, but we have to address this issue of turnover. How do we get people to stay if they're the right person to be staying, right? You know? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and you know, and um, just going 
back to the the point about age or season in life and um and then i think we can move on from there is you know you look across different industries and it's the same thing but what you see in a healthy organization or um or i think what we're differentiating is sometimes there's turnover or most of the time there's turnover in those industries because people are looking to advance their career, right? Or move up, or they're trying to find their niche. Where here we're seeing turnover where people leave ministry and then they're, they're just gone, right? Um, um, or they just don't last long in a certain place enough to get even anything started. And I think what's hard in church world too is every, even though the Catholic church is huge, Every local church is pretty small, and when you have that turnover, it has such a profound impact on not just that employee and not just his or her coworkers, but that entire parish community, right? And, oh, and absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And part of it is how do you build continuity in ministry if you've got turnover all the time? And so it's hard to build up good ministry you know, whether it's a liturgy or, or youth ministry or, or even a business manager and the, and the financial controls and the management of, of the parish, if you have this turnover always happening. And so part of it is the, lo- the, the longevity of staff helps provide the continuity that helps you provide good, effective ministry long-term, you know, but when there's a quick turnover, then it's like, oh, we have to start all over again, right? And that's, that sucks to be totally yeah. honest. I mean, and, and we've seen it, we've been part of that. It's just like, that's hard to deal with, but it's a reality. How do we stop making that a reality, right? How do we change that? I think that's the conversation we want to have a little bit today. Yeah. And, and some of the things I think we suggest today are going to be out of our control. And some of those things are going to be within our control. And, uh, and it all depends on the position that you hold, you know, at your parish or your, your diocese. But I, I think number one, number one, most important thing, John, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, is that we're all responsible. We're all responsible for the turnover issue, that that is not just a, a bishop thing. That's not a pastor thing. That's not an employee thing. That that's that, that's all of us. Um, because you know, if we don't take responsibility together and don't ask some of these questions together, then we're just going to continue to to face the same issues. So I think challenge number one that I put out to people is embrace ownership of this problem and the situation. I agree, and parishioners play a key role in that too. So it's not just fellow staff members or clergy or diocesan structures, but parishioners. How do parishioners support um, the staff that we have on parishes? Because we've, I've seen stories and heard stories where parishioners derail things and can derail things. And I think that's part of the role of a pastor is how do we mitigate against that? You know, um, especially sometimes when there's, there's, unfortunately it's, ch- it's church, but this happens when there's malice, right? When there's kind of, uh, bad intentions around why we're doing the things that we're doing that happens and parishioners are also part of that. So I would challenge that we need to have conversations about how do we help parishioners understand their role in also supporting the longevity of our staff members in our parishes. Yeah. And, and, and the, the parishioners role uh, is input uh, is um, connected in so many different ways. You, you, you talked about how parishioners can derail, you know, because if there's malice or things like that, but even so, like as um, a parishioner, how you tithe, give uh, your time, give your uh, finances, that 
greatly impacts some of the things that are going on because, you know, um, uh, and John, we've talked about this before where uh, people are underpaid in church world, right? And, you know, I'm not advocating that everyone gets a six-figure salary or or things along those lines, although I would never dispute that. Um, But like a lot of employees are underpaid and not only are they underpaid, but they're overworked, right? So if you as a parishioner can give of your time and volunteer in different ways, um, if you as a parishioner can financially support those employees, that's going to alleviate a lot of burden that a lot of parish employees feel. And, you know, it, it's, a rea- it's a reality in all industries, but especially in church ministry, where there are good men and women who leave because they just financially can't support the, not, not just their families, but themselves. Um, and not only that, they're also putting themselves in situations where they're working so hard for not a lot of pay, where it becomes a question of what am I sacrificing at home? in order to do this job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the conversation for us in terms of what are the causes of turnover and what, what can, what can we do about it? So let me just, you know, say this is kind of a, a preamble to this continuing conversation is that the assumption here is that we're talking about staff members who are good, right? That you've had, you had a good hiring process. That's a good fit, you know? Um, and, and so we're making that assumption. So, uh, so we're going to kind of disregard, I think, here a little bit if it was a bad hire, just a bad right. fit, because that's a different conversation. Yeah. What we're really talking about is how do we keep good staff members? Because we don't want to keep bad staff members, right? <laughs> to no, be no, totally no, no, blunt. No. So that's a different conversation. So we're assuming right now that you've got a, a person who's very good at what they do. They've got the strength. So so how do we how do we uh, reduce turnover? So you already mentioned two different things, right? You t- talk about pay, and there's only so much that we could do about that. I understand that, and we should look at just wages and what that looks like, and and talk with the diocese about that one. But the second one is is how much they work, and this is where I think the the pastor or the leader needs to come in and not only one model good working hours, right? You know, you as a pastor, are you taking your days off? Are you taking your vacations and things like that? But two, then how do we support our fellow staff members to do the same thing? So for instance, if you're working every Sunday, you know, well, then you should have two days off and you should figure that out. And a lot of folks do that Friday and Saturday, right? Uh, you know, we need to find a way to make sure people have consecutive days off to keep them rested. Um, but at the same time, making sure that in this era of technology with laptops and cell phones, that they're not checking emails at 12 midnight and responding to emails at 12 midnight. And I think that's on the supervisor, the pastor, ultimately, to help manage those expectations. And so, I, I had a leader one time who would send emails at all sorts of times of night and day, and, and that's the way they worked. What happened, though, is it made me feel like I need to do the same thing. And so I right. started to do the same thing. I started to create some bad habits. This is where I think the leader has got to model it to help their staff create good habits uh, and, and help mitigate. And so you don't want them working 60, 70 hours. There are occasions that you need to put extra hours in, you know. Uh, but then how do you flex that time or how do you make sure that you know, another week when it's school quieter that they don't put as many hours, right? We need to manage that and help that's our staff manage that time. Yeah, you know, and I know there's technology and tools out there, but um, uh, it's almost, it would be almost great if there is this expectation that you can send an email or a message at any time. You just can't receive it 
um, outside of certain times, right? Because, you know, how many times am I, and I know this is a side like comment, but how many times I'm like at the supermarket and I was like, I can't forget this. I got to communicate with someone. And then I'm totally sabotaging them in that, um, in that regards. But yeah, time is a huge thing. A, a third thing I would add, you know, we talked about finances, we talked about time and, and this is linked to it is also kind of clarification of expectations, right? So um, if I'm working at a place that I feel like is going nowhere, right? Like just showing up to punch a time clock um, uh, time card, um, and, you know, do plan events and then go home, then I'm going to get kind of tired. I'm going to get bored. You know, I'm going to get burned out because whatever, at the end of the day, what am I trying to accomplish? What sense of purpose do I have? And so I think like for parishes, especially if you're a leader in that parish, we have to create that sense of purpose. We have to create that expectation, that vision of what we're trying to accomplish. Because, and we see this a lot in the nonprofit world, where you have men and women who will overwork and be underpaid, but will be passionate about what they do because the vision and the mission is clear. You know, we meet those men and women who have been in those industries for 20, 30 years and have made all sorts of sacrifices because the vision was so clear. And so I think if you're in a parish and you're not paying well because you can't, which is realistic and, you know, it's legitimate in some cases, or people are overworked because the staff is so small because you can't pay them, but you have a clear cut vision and expectations. People will commit and make, make it work and, and, and stay around for the long haul. Yeah. That passion is essential. I, when I do trainings, look, I've been doing this for over 20 years now, when you count my volunteer times in college and high school, you know, and, <laughs> and, and you have to be crazy to stick around church this long. I mean, you really do. Like, and I mm -hmm. tell people that and ministers, when I say that, say, you're all crazy. They all laugh, right? Because they know they're crazy, right? right <laughs> you know, right, right. because like you have to be crazy to deal with the, 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 the craziness of church and parishioners and ministry and kids and whatever like that. Like, it's just, it could be very dysfunctional at times, but what keeps us here yeah. is our passion for the ministry. There was a time that I explored outside of direct Catholic ministry. I was involved in two different nonprofits. One was a secular youth serving nonprofit and another one was Catholic charities. It was Catholic, you know, obviously, but it was a very different way of doing church. Uh, I loved it. I enjoyed it a lot, but you know, for the, those years I was, I was feeling that tug back to more, direct type of ministry, which is one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And so I'm glad I had that experience because I'm a better minister because of it, you know, but that's straight up passion and insanity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and as long as you're in ministry, you're not going to get rid of the messiness or chaos because we're dealing no. with people and, and lives and emotions and faith and, and all these sort of things that make life so beautiful yet complex at the same time, but a, a clear cut vision, a, um, a clear cut uh, mission and, and passion from leadership will drip down and will be something that keeps people around for the long haul, um, for sure. Yeah. And I think um, the second part of that, Chris, if I could, is, is so you got vision and passion, but then being clear about expectations more specifically to how my ministry as a parish staff member uh, fits into that mission and what am I going to accomplish? Here's what happens a lot is ministers don't have clarity about what it is that they're trying to achieve, what their goals are, what their metrics are. And so um, we often just kind of keep doing the same thing over and over again. 
um, and maybe not growing is because we just haven't had those intentional conversations about this is what we're hoping for in 2020 for you to be able to do in children's ministry or liturgy or whatever, you know? Uh, and so we need to be specific. And that's, again, I go back to the performance evaluation process. That's a part of that process is, is developing goals. And so it's not only the high level vision and mission, but then also specifically, what am I doing? What is John Ronaldo doing in my parish to help support that mission and vision and getting specific about it so that we have an, that understanding that is an off, often a missing element, I think in, parish leadership and parish ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's linked to the next thing that um, I feel like is a huge issue, which is a lack of cohesiveness amongst the, the staff or the team, you know, and, 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 and this is huge. And maybe this is more of a priority than some of the other things that we talked about, but I've met so many people who have left ministry because they felt alone. Right. And, and that is really uh, a difficult thing to, to overcome because, um, and, and Patrick Lencioni uses this example, and I think it's, it's brilliant, where a lot of churches function as golf teams opposed to basketball teams. And the big difference for those who are familiar, a golf team, you go out, John, you go out, I go out, and we do our best, and the best score wins, right? But there's no, like, um, contributing or helping one another increase their score. Where with, like, a basketball team, you know, I might be a point guard, you might be a center, but um, there are going to be times where you're going to have to dribble the ball down the court, or I'm going to have to square up and box someone out to, to get the ball. And, and so um, there will be an interchanging of role. there, uh, roles. There will be uh, an adaptable mindset. There is a, you know, this team does not fall and rise on one person's shoulders, that it's, it's everyone's. And when you have a dysfunctional team, and we've talked about this subject a, a lot, but when you have a dysfunctional team, it doesn't matter how talented people are. If they feel isolated or they feel like there's unresolved tension or conflict, um, you know, why would I want to stick around? Why would I want to work with a bunch of jerks, you know? Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And that's a culture question, right? And that's one of the first things pastors especially need to address if there is that that golf team mentality or the other analogy we often use is that silo mentality where right. people are just doing their own thing. That's one of the first things we have to address because until we, we fix that uh, concern, that's a culture question, right? Until we fix that, mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to work as a team and, and achieve the mission and the expectations and the goals that we have. And so I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. We've got to realize that we are a team. And with that, it's also realizing that, again, how do we connect with, for instance, diocesan structures as well. We've talked about that previously in past episodes, you know, to, to support what we're doing and, and take advantage of diocesan networks and, and other colleagues in other parishes. That's another way of mitigating against, you know, this golf team mentality and work more like a basketball team. So it's both from inside the parish, but then how do we take advantage of the surrounding organizations like the diocesan structure to help us feel like we're part of something bigger than it's just us. Well, and that's a sense of investment, right? That's a, a, a sense of when I am a part of an organization, like what are the different ways that they're, they're pouring into me? And, and yeah, if people go back to past episodes, we've talked about different um, methods, like your, your vacation, your sick time, uh, you know, if I'm managing you well and remind you, John, to take your vacation, to take your, your personal days and everything and to manage that schedule, then that's, that's going to be helpful. If I know as a, um, 
as a leader that you need to grow in your professional development. Maybe the parish can help, you know, uh, pay for a conference or add to higher education or um, something along those lines to, to, to support you. And if I feel like my supervisor, my staff, my coworkers are for me, then again, I'm going to be able to withstand some of the harshness that comes with, with ministry along the way. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Uh, and you kind of led into what I would think is a, a fifth category of, of things that we can do to avoid turnovers. How do we invest in our staff? So you already talked about how do we, if someone wants to get a master's degree or a certificate or go to a conference, like we need to help our staff grow. Professional development is one important way that we uh, avoid turnover, right? Because they feel like they're being invested in. You know, and, and I think we need to find ways to do that. Now, you may not have a huge budget for it, but many parts of the country have different conferences or even webinars. Certainly, you can get that anywhere that, where we can invest in them to be able to do that. So we don't want our staff, we don't want parishes to be stagnant. So how do we help our parishes not be stagnant? By investing in our staff and also our volunteers, making sure they're growing, they're developing. And we need to put our money where our mouth is a little bit with that and, and help pay for those things and not just assume that you know, the, the staff member is going to pay for that master's degree or pay for that conference on their own without support from the parish. But that, that investment is an important piece that makes people feel like they are supported here, they're welcomed here. And I would add that as a way to decrease turnover. Well, and, and that goes... And just something to touch back on is this is all great advice, especially if we're talking about good people, right? Good employees, you know, and you kind of alluded to this earlier. And this is something that we talked about beforehand as we were prepping for this is if you make the wrong hire, everything we just said (laughs) really, you know, it's um, I mean, not everything part parts of it are relevant, but it really is about who you're hiring and how you're, and how you're hiring them, how you're onboarding them as well. Because if you don't make the right hires, if you don't recruit the right team, then you're going to have that dysfunction. You're going to have people who overwork or people who um, create the wrong expectations or don't meet those expectations. So the real question is, um, you know, like, do you have, are you taking the time to really think about who your staff is? Are you really taking the time to think about how to care for them, how to, you know, prepare them, how to support them? And if you're not as a leader, then yeah, you're going to struggle with turnover um, until that's addressed or until you're gone. Yep. And, and I'll link to, we'll link to a couple episodes in the past that we've talked about hiring and expectations, just so you can mm-hmm. take a look at those, because again, we're not going to address those fully here. We have some episodes on that. And so we'll go ahead and do that. But you're absolutely right. You know, this is assuming a good staff member, a good, a good hire uh, is, is a piece of this. So uh, good. Thank you for, for, for recommending that. Uh, no problem. I have no problem recommending our own podcast. So yeah. So no, but um, yeah. It, and it, again, this is just something that I know has hit both of us personally. Um, you know, we, we we haven't been at the same organizations our entire lives, and um, it, it, it's it's hard, and it, it seems to be happening a little uh, too much, a little bit um, more than than I I think um, is necessary because when there's turnover again. Um, you're not just impacting your coworkers. You're not just impacting yourself, but, you know, I, to speak for, for youth, um, you know, we want people coming to church every Sunday. We want youth and children, you know, being a part of the parish, but when there is turnover, 
there is a difficulty building a relationship of trust. And when you don't have trust in an organization, when you don't have trust in the people who are part of that organization, then the truth is like, why would they commit to it? Why would they be a part of that? And if we have a God who unconditionally loves us and is with us all the time, yet the people who are supposed to testify to that, to share the gospel aren't, or are, are like leaving after a couple of months or a year, then there's going to be disconnect with that. Mm-hmm. So again, if we want to many people, um, we have to be there for the long haul. If we want to guide them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and to God, then we have to figure out ways to keep our teams around. And that's why this is such a huge issue. Yeah, good. Chris, I'm so glad that you brought up this topic. I think it's a, it's a timely topic for us as we begin the new year and, and something that we need to consider. And especially as, as we head into spring, that, that hiring processes and things like that start to ramp up and, and people start to think about moving and stuff like that. So now is a really important time to really start considering this question of turnover. Definitely, definitely. And, and that's something that we can help with, not just here with the church podcast, but with the two organizations that we represent, uh, with, uh, the, um, with the parish success group. Um, of course, you can reach out to John. And John, where's a good place people can find you? As always, you can reach out to me at parishsuccessgroup.com uh, or on social media, Twitter, especially at John Ronaldo. And you can reach out to me at all things marathonyouthministry.com or Marathon Youth Ministry. Um, you can reach out to us at thechurchpodcast.org or questions at thechurchpodcast.org. Of course, um, we would love it if you start your new year with leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify. Um, and, you know, again, maybe there is a friend of yours that is struggling with uh, their employment at the church and you can share the church podcast with them to help them, you know, stick around for the long haul. But we want to just, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for allowing us to do this for, you know, um, three seasons now, which is really exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, John, it, it's been a pleasure to do this and, and not have turnover in a podcast partner. So <laughs> there you go. I agree. Anyway, so l- let me close this in prayer as we continue on in this new year. Your Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to uh, serve not just you, but the church to serve uh, men and women, Lord, who are uh, thirsty and hungry for something deeper, something uh, profound, uh, more profound than the world can ever offer. And Lord, we know that's found in a relationship with you. We know that's found by worshiping and honoring you and being a part of the church. And so God, I ask that you guide us. God, I ask that you walk with us. God, I ask that you continue to love us. We love you. In your name we pray.